Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Thank you. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine, stop. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. fine. I'm laughing on the outside. You know Pagliacci, the clown, the sad clown? <laughs> That's why he cried, because his wife got more applause than I did. Anyway, um, hi, and welcome to Sawbones, Marital Tour of Misguided Medicine. Uh, I'm still Justin McRoy, that's still the Sidster. And uh, we are here in California. Uh, more specifically, San Jose, which, as I understand it, is near the uh, Santa Cruz Mountains, if that's okay. Uh, and that, my friends, that's wine country. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Doesn't the J-Man normally drink uh, horse's neck, which is brandy and ginger ale, the little bit of bitters? And the answer is he used to. And now, I'm a wine guy. <laughs> Folks, I'm here to tell you, this is my 87th glass of wine in my entire life. It's really a very recent recent thing. Very recent. Yes. Very recent. I mean, it's been a few months, but this is the 87th glass I've had <laughs> uh, to give you sort of a, um, you know, idea of how deep I am in the scene. Uh, but but here we, we are here in one country, Santa Cruz Mountains, and I'm mainly for a say it with me. Four different. Four different. It's, uh, Pinot, Pinot Noir. Noir. Cabernet. Cabernet. Sauvignon. <laughs> Chardonnay. Chardonnay. And... Etc. The uh, the rest is like etc. <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about wine. Yeah, I, I read some about the Santa Cruz Mountain region on Wikipedia before we came out. Just about the, your wine growing. Uh, it's extremely beautiful country up there. Uh, for, I can what? see from the street. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that large elevation is the Santa Cruz Mountains. Now, folks, listen. <laughs> I'm not an atlas. <laughs> Now, I don't know anything about different types of wine and what's good or not, because, like I said, I drink beer. But I do know about medicine and medical history, and I know that for as long as humans have been making wine, really any alcohol, but wine specifically, we have been trying to find a reason to drink it <laughs> other than that we like it, and especially a reason that it might be good for us. Mm. So... 
I do want to share with you the history of wine as medicine, especially in the ancient world, because they put wine, I mean, everywhere. <laughs> like everywhere. Gross. Are you ready for this? Sounds gross. You make it sound gross. Uh, we, have, we, have, uh, we as humans have been making wine since like the Neolithic period. They found like traces of, of wine in like jars and pots and things. But at least since the Egyptians, we have been trying to find a medicinal value to wine, a reason that we can convince everybody like, oh, it's not just for fun though, it's for my health. <laughs> I need this. It's for good. Um, in ancient Egypt, wine was viewed as both a beverage and a food. It was, it had nutritional value. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, Go ahead and download Uber now. Just so you're like, <laughs> just so you're like ready. We don't need to take any unnecessary risks. Uh, and I think that's kind of fair in the sense that like wine is from grapes and I always argue that beer, it's just like bread. Like it's like a, a side of bread with my meal. So it's like a fruit. <laughs> That's, you're talking like people with a problem talk, Squid. So they would use wine uh, sometimes just it's like as like- It's like a side of bread. <laughs> side of bread. Just like as a solvent or like a way to disguise uh, the bad taste of a medicine. It was, it was very popular for that. But then in addition to that, they also thought it was, it was good for you just in and of itself. Some uses for wine, um, it might be good for a cough. It was a popular cough syrup. Just drink some wine if you got a cough. If your appetite has gone, if, if you need to restore your appetite, wine was a good appetite restorer. Uh, they use that it for- That I can vouch for. I've had a lot of, I have, <laughs> I've had a lot of late night bowls of Fruit Loops that will attest to <laughs> Defo, Defo does that. Uh, they used it for fevers. They used it for wounds a lot, um, both drinking wine if you got a wound. I, I think just because, like, oh, man, you got a wound. Here. Here. Here's some wine. Uh, and also for, like, soaking bandages in and dressing wounds with wine or flushing a wound out. Generally, it was thought to clean things. I mean, and this was before any idea of, like, we're killing germs would have been behind it. It was more just like, eh, it probably cleans it out. So... <laughs> Um, and it was also, as, as it was written, it was good for releasing a child from the belly of a woman, which basically meant... What is it, like a lubricant? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's bait. Come on out, baby. <laughs> it's time to party, baby. Baby, let's get crunk. Get out here, baby. No, it was more... It was more like a person who is in labor, like, hey, do you maybe want a drink? <laughs> that looks painful. <laughs> hey, hey, how about some wine? We're a, few, we're a couple of millennia from anesthesia. Um. <laughs> wine. Uh, largely, it was re reserved for nobility. So uh, the, the common people would stick with beer. So I guess that's me. But royalty... <laughs> Royalty would drink wine. I, I am the son of 1998's funniest man in the tri-state. So, <laughs> kind of like a... A, Huntington a royalty. prince of comedy, I guess you could say. <laughs> my, my prince of West Virginia. A prince of West Virginia. Uh, so, and uh, the, uh, during feasts, 
they would allow everybody to drink wine during feasts and like like big the festivals of the gods. There were certain times of the year where everybody would like get access to the good stuff and everybody would be able to drink wine. Uh, and they didn't really have a problem with drunkenness. And we'll see this shift later in ancient history. Uh, for the Egyptians, drunkenness was just a sign that like you were happy and <laughs> you were filled with joy and you yes and also you must have had means to buy the wine so like good on you successful day at the office good job uh they actually had once a year a festival of intoxication we call it spring break these days and this is this is a departure a little bit from medical history but i just like this story the festival of intoxication was to celebrate a goddess Sekhmet, who was sent to destroy a bunch of humans who were not like being uh, appropriately, um, they weren't they weren't worthy of Ra, and so Ra was like, you need to kill those mortals. So Sekhmet came down to kill a bunch of mortals, and her bloodlust took over, and she just started murdering all the humans. And in order to stop her, they put some wine out, and since it looked like blood, it tricked her. And so she got really drunk and then felt really happy. And so she's like, all right, I'll let the rest of you all live. <laughs> so it's to celebrate the time that all of humanity did not get destroyed. They get really drunk. <laughs> I've, I've actually pulled that stunt on Sydney before if I mess up bad enough. <laughs> so that it's actually, I can vouch for this, this strategy. There was even one temple had what was called the porch of drunkenness. <laughs> you just hang out it's, on the it's, porch. It's of drunkenness. a Phi Kappa <laughs> uh, As we move into ancient Greece, the the Greeks were at least aware that you know wine is great. We love it. We're all about it. Crazy but there are there are some problems with drinking a lot of it. They began to see that like intoxication wasn't always a good thing and that drinking too much wine could cause some health problems. Um, now that didn't mean that they didn't still use it as medicine. Hippocrates saw many uses uh, for wine in various health problems and all of the doctors that kind of studied in his tradition also advised the same thing. Um, he thought that wine mainly affected two parts of the body. Uh, the first would be the head and that makes sense. You get drunk, intoxication. So it affects the brain, the head. Uh, the other was the lower cavity. <laughs> Go on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, by warming it. <laughs> and <laughs> it's really just the abdomen. I know. It sounds, sounds a lot sexier than it is. <laughs> I don't think sexier means what you think it means, Sid. <laughs> it doesn't mean lower cavity. <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am, it doesn't. Uh, so wine generally was seen as a hot and dry substance. And this is in the, the humoral system of medicine. So basically you have four humors, we have to keep them in balance. And the way we balance them is by eating and drinking certain things or puking or peeing or, you know, taking a laxative, that kind of thing. And wine was something that was hot and dry. So if you had some sort of health condition that was seen as cold and wet, wine would fix that. <laughs> so... Because the, it was hot and dry. This is easy. Come on, folks. <laughs> and they also thought it was good if you needed a, a laxative, because if you drink enough wine, you get diarrhea, apparently. This, this one's in legit, folks. <laughs> 
Now, it was very specific, the usefulness of wine, uh, exactly what you should use it for and who should drink it and how much. It really varied on the types of wine. By this point, we have lots of different types of wine. I mean, I imagine wine is beyond just white and red. Justin, my wine, <laughs> my wine expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, for my 89th glass of wine, uh-huh. I am planning on having a red, and there's different kinds of reds. <laughs> Good job. So, <laughs> thus closes the wine segment of our so, program. Based on the color, or the taste, or the odor, or the where it came from, you know, where it was made, it would have certain medicinal properties that were good or bad. Um, everyone pretty much agreed that kids don't benefit as much from wine. <laughs> They don't benefit as much. (laughs) That's exactly right. So they said, you know, we got to be careful. Wine is a very potent beverage, and we have to be careful with it in children. So just mix it with a lot of water when you give it to your kid. Mm -hmm. Um, They agreed that the elderly benefit the most from wine. Correct. And by elderly, I do mean over 30. So, (laughs) Folks, it was a a rough time, okay? (laughs) People with cold constitutions, because in in the humoral system of medicine, not only were certain things able to influence your body, but you had like a natural temperament. You know, you were naturally either hot or cold. You were naturally either dry or wet. And (laughs) people who were just cold people were thought to benefit more from wine. Somebody who was like a phlegmatic person. Mm would be that and these were these were the different like humoral personalities would be a very cold and wet person and people who are from cold places uh women were seen as being more wet and cold <laughs> so quit okay i'm going to stay perfectly motionless just let me know when she's moved on so they were advised to drink wine more than men you know uh so <laughs> Some other particular... You can, you can move now. Okay, sure. Uh, All right. Some other particular uses. Uh, dark wine was thought to... Let's say that uh, a couple is trying to conceive, and uh, you want to make sure that the baby is strong, a very strong baby, then uh, the man drinking dark wine was supposed to be very helpful for that. Um, It was also supposed to be, specifically darker wines, good for nosebleeds. It was thought to kind of replace the blood. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, It was also good for if you, let's say, as a doctor, you bled somebody, because that was a popular treatment of the time, right? Any illness will just bleed you. We'll we'll cut you and let some blood out, and then you'll be better. But maybe you took it too far. (laughs) Oh, no. And the person passed out or... Coward almost died, <laughs> then give him some wine. And it really was thought like, it kind of looks like blood. This probably helps you make blood. Probably. I so. don't know. The medicines, the medicines that for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette. 
the palette of a web design artist, but you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. And right now, folks, we are headed back to the program and uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, also, it could just be used for aches. <laughs> now this one works. <laughs> this one I can. I'm 38 years old now. This one I get a test to. Or weakness, whatever that, whatever you want to take that to mean. <laughs> Are you feeling achy? Are you feeling weak? You get some wine from your doctor. Uh, specifically, Hippocrates noted that it was very good for a certain type of headache, and that was the headache that you would get after you had been drunk the night before. <laughs> My dude, my dude knew how to party. Hippocrates said for that specific headache that follows intoxication, wine can actually really help. Now this one, uh, I can address. <laughs> he prescribed it to help people throw up. If he thought now balancing this... your humors, <laughs> balancing your humors would uh, involve you throwing up. Uh, he would I say just actually... drink wine until you do. Go with, um... <laughs> Uh, Diet Mountain Dew Code Red and vodka for that. <laughs> That's going to get you there a lot quicker. That one I can't. <laughs> he prescribed it for making people pee. 
Let's say you don't, you're not Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. Okay. Th they had very specific rules about a pregnant person and wine. And specifically, if a person becomes pregnant, they should not drink wine for one to two days. <laughs> <laughs> and then they should continue drinking wine as well. <laughs> One or two days for what? When? So Which one after, or two days? This is the, after conception, they said. After okay. How, so however you figured that out, like you have, con you know, I've conceived. <laughs> Don't drink wine for 24 to 48 hours and then just go for it. I like, you know what I like about that is the 24 to 48 hours, one to two days. <laughs> I like party person who's like, well, eh, it's been 24 hours. I'm probably fine. <laughs> Enough. I don't want to err on the side of caution and wait on one other entire day. This kid's got to learn to be tough. <laughs> they also had a very particular prescription for wine drinking in someone who was breastfeeding. They thought that the wine would pass through the breast milk to the baby. And the concern, again, this is, this is nothing to do with like alcohol content. This was really about it was a strong substance to put into your body. It had a lot of effects you know, uh, rearranging your humors. And so all of that passing through the milk to the baby could be dangerous was the fear. So in the beginning, they would recommend nursing a child, you should drink wine every three days and then every other day. And by the time that the baby is 40 days old, you can drink wine every day. But as soon as you can, you should bump that up to twice every day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because by then, the baby can handle the wine, <laughs> yes. and it will make them stronger. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> I don't think mortality rates were so bad back then. I think their partality rates were bad, because everybody was partying so hard. They're like, eh. Everybody was drinking a lot of wine. They were drinking a lot uh, of wine. And you know what? By the way, it's funny that that breast milk thing did not actually, like, that was still kind of kicking around uh, when we had Charlie. Like, that, that you know, the, the worry of, like, breastfeeding and Oh, yeah, and, how much we'll drinking. get through. Yeah. And, yeah. They have, like, little strips. You ever see these strips you're supposed to test the breast milk mm -hmm. with to see, like, have you drunk too much? A very small <laughs> amount of alcohol. It's wild. Passes through. This is, yeah, so... And, they, it, and they'll still fine, tell you, folks. but they do still, they do, no, I'm not saying that, but they do Have still tell you fun. to drink. You're a parent, uh, it's tough. It's funny, they do, they, it's switched to beer. That's what I was told, drink dark beer. So. They say it'll help your supply. Yeah. It doesn't. It does, it doesn't. I, I'm not saying you can't. Help your supply at party. Help your party supply. It'll relax, good cheer. It'll relax you. Uh, Hippocrates waffled a lot on what kind of wine was better for different things. Because like I said, they had very specific like prescriptions based on the type of wine and the person and what was wrong with them. But at one point, he had a patient who had typhus. And he said, let him drink hard, dark wine if it benefits the patient. If not, a hard, white wine mixed with water. And then he had another patient with typhus. And he said, let him drink white wine mixed with water if it benefits the patient and if not a hard dark wine so basically just like drink some wine if you have typhus i think is the <laughs> was the practical upshoot they they very commonly would mix water with wine i've said that several times and I, that actually wasn't uncommon because the wines that were made were very strong both in flavor and alcohol content so diluting your wine was not a wild idea it wasn't just doctors prescribing it um, because undiluted wine, just pure 
wine was seen as a lot more powerful. So you had to be careful if you were going to drink undiluted wine. Um, Hippocrates in particular thought a very watery wine was the best way to go. <laughs> so I don't know if that was, I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't. Actually, well, I mean, from a medicinal no. standpoint, uh, he thought it was very good for fevers and because it wouldn't upset your head and it would also help you get all the phlegm out of you. It would help you cough up all the phlegm. Okay. So uh, you could mix it with other things other than just water. Uh, honey was very popular. Milk was very popular. Mm. I don't know. Milk and wine. <laughs> I, I, I've never tried that. I can't imagine that tastes good. Uh, there were a lot of herbal preparations, wine with different herbs, like steeped in it sometimes um, for different medicinal reasons. One in particular was something called kaikion, and this one was a, you take a black grape, the inside of a pomegranate, you crush it, and you mix it in a dark wine, and then you scrape in some goat's cheese. Oh, you ruined it. And then you sprinkle that with roasted wheat flour, and then mix it up and drink it. No. And that was, that particular prescription was for postpartum diarrhea. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> so embarrassing because if people see goat cheese and wine and pomegranate laying on your counter, they know. <laughs> they know. You know what's up. It's a very fancy diarrhea cure. <laughs> oh, um, I see. Someone can't stop going to the bathroom. <laughs> uh-huh. Just, just like with the Egyptians, uh, wine was popular to put on wounds as well. So once again, any, any kind of wound you sustained, you could just dump wine in it. Um, open fractures, so like when you break a bone and it pokes out through the skin, oh. dumping wine on that was a very popular treatment. <laughs> uh, soaking bandages, again, was, was one thing. You could also flush out pretty much any orifice <laughs> with wine. <laughs> And it was thought to help clean it. Uh, so it was not uncommon for a uterus to be flushed with wine. Both for not having a period when you thought you were going to, or having a period when you weren't thought, <laughs> when you didn't think you were going to, both could be treated with a, a wine. A lot, of people wonder, a lot of people ask me, which wine should I choose for this? And that, what I always tell them is, don't flush your uterus with any wine you wouldn't drink yourself. That's a good rule of thumb. Don't get the cheap stuff, folks. There, uh, there was one specific note made of, uh, at one point, somebody was thought to have a lot of, uh, they, were, they were right, had a lot of pus in their lung, and the only way they knew how to get it out was to cut them open and try to drain it out. They're not that far off. They just, you know, didn't have like sterile technique and stuff. So the, the patient probably didn't make it. But that aside. You just have end, to. You have no way of knowing. You don't have I'm to throw saying, that in. Well, probably. I mean, maybe. You know, they probably maybe. beefed it. Anyway, uh, moving on. But they noted that after you do that, flushing the lung with wine was a good idea. That is not a good idea. Uh, my favorite was, we have, we've talked about on the show before, the concept of hysteria which was like a fake diagnosis for like, that's a woman doing something I don't like. Um, she's hysterical. And the idea was that your uterus is moving around your body and, you know, making y'all wild. And so one popular treatment for that was to get some wine and put it in a heated like clay jar and then sit on it. <laughs> 
it's like a wine fumigation. <laughs> because the uterus will be attracted to the wine <laughs> and work its way back down into place. <laughs> It does a little cartoon thing. It starts wafting on the scent, just floating along, <laughs> like a pie cooling in a window. Uh, it was also, of course, just oh, a... I, as I have to say every show, I'm sorry. <laughs> just to everybody who's not like me exactly, I'm sorry about that. Huh. Sorry. Well, but the, you could also use it for everybody with a rectum could use it. You could use it as an enema. And so that was a popular a wine enema, especially mixed with honey and oil. <laughs> was supposed to be good for, like, congestion. A bottle of red. Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, there was a poultice made out of wine that was good for wounds. It had wine and watercress and flax. Uh, honey and wine was put in the eyes. Any problem with your eyes, they would just mix it and drip that in your eyes. I don't know which part of that is worse. Uh, if you're having any sort of uh, anal problem, okay, hemorrhoids, I'm listening. Everybody, itching, shut up! Burning. <laughs> what you want to do? Griffin, listen. <laughs> you're going to want to do is boil some eggs in, in a dark wine and then apply that to your anus. And that'll fix that. Uh, and then for tetanus, you just want to soak some leaves in some white wine and put them on the wound. And then you're good. <laughs> um, of course, moving, moving forward to the Romans, you can't talk about wine and not talk about the Romans. They loved the stuff. It was a daily beverage. Everybody was drinking wine any time of the day, and it was uh, and it was consumed a lot more generally. Like every like at this point, everybody was drinking wine. It wasn't it wasn't just for royalty. You know, everybody liked wine. Uh, again, we're still de dealing with a lot stronger wines, so like the concept of watering down wine would not be would not be strange. A lot of people would do that. Um, they added lots of new indications for wine, lots of new reasons you might need to drink it. Uh, any kind of bloating, constipation, diarrhea, gout, bad breath, snake bite, <laughs> tapeworm, dizziness, anything. <laughs> Drink some wine. Uh, there was a specific recipe for a laxative where you had to, like, and this started, man, you, you have to know you need a laxative way in advance for this one because you've got to grow the grapevines and treat them with ashes and manure and hellbore. And then once you've like made, like grown the vines and you have the grapes, then you make the wine and then you can drink that wine and it's a laxative. You're gonna look smart though. When your neighbors come and call in like, hey, listen, I meant to do this a few years ago and I did, but did you maybe uh, grow any vines in hellbore? And then... Uh, Galen liked to use wine in a lot of, uh, he treated gladiators and he would basically use wine for anything that happened to the gladiators. And he would, he would tell you that it worked because he claimed to have never lost a single one that he treated. Everybody survived. Um, but he would again, pour wine on any kind of wound they sustained. And even with like, 
let's say he had to do abdominal surgery. You wouldn't have done abdominal surgery. Somebody had a big gaping abdominal wound that, that like exposed their intestines. He would just soak them in some wine and then... Bury them. <laughs> no, just like stuff them back into place. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he did because he says they all survived. <laughs> he didn't say how long. <laughs> Wait, anyway, uh, good luck. Bye. Another successful patient. His, his version of a theriac, which a theriac was like a cure-all from the time. And it, it like, it, it's, there are many, many different theriacs that were made throughout history by different physicians. And there were like different traditions of theriacs. And it usually was something that contained 50 or 60 different ingredients and was very complicated, but was thought to be the antidote to everything, the cure for everything. Um, he had his own theriac that was based on wine. It had like 60 total ingredients, but wine was the big one. He also included herbs, opium, and viper flesh. Nice. Uh, and everybody thought it was just great. Marcus Aurelius loved it. <laughs> but he, this, this theriac that he created like, would c continue to persist throughout history for, I mean, centuries afterwards, this recipe for wine-based theriac for anything. Um, and again, he also believed that wine turned into blood once you drank it. So he said it's probably good for anything that's wrong with like veins, arteries, the heart, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> any the blood, blood stuff. any blood issues. Uh, the the last figure from ancient history who had a lot to say about wine, we gotta mention, is Pliny the Elder. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I could do an entire show alone on what Pliny the Elder said about wine because he wrote, in his book Natural History, he wrote extensively about the cultivation of wine and the different regions and what was good and what was bad and um, just some like general wine advice. And then also all of the medicinal uses, like his, there's an entire book within the collection that is dedicated to medicinal uses for wine. Um, he did note that it was good to cure disease, but it also could be used to excess and cause problems. Um, he thought it improved, again, blood, vigor, your complexion. You looked better, you were more attractive. <laughs> you had more friends if you drink wine. Um, he said that uh, wine drinkers tend to be more robust and ruddy than everybody else. Okay. Uh, sure. It strengthens the sinews. He thought it was great for your stomach. He thought it was very good for any sort of mental illness, so depression or anxiety or in insomnia or if you're just going through an extended grieving period. You know, it may seem that Wine. way, Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> it may seem like it, Plenty, but um, it's not a long-term solution, Plenty. Uh, he thought it was good for any uh, poisonous fungi. It was good for that. It does help me be a fun guy. <laughs> that I can attest to. That was a great dad joke. Uh, and then, of course, he not only wanted you to drink it, but you could put it all over your body. If you have a heart problem, just like rub some on your chest. Sure, topical. That seems good. Um, bathing the genitals in it was always a good option. Plenty love to do that stuff. And in addition to, and it could go on and on. I mean, really, he, he used it for, he recommended it for everything. But in addition to all that, he also was uh, the one who said in vino veritas, which I didn't realize. I figure. So, you know, but it was more of like a warning, like, be careful, you get really drunk and you say things that are true, but you shouldn't say them. 
Um, wine continued to be important, like, throughout, throughout the ancient world, it was all like, wine's great, everybody loves it. After that, uh, especially because of religious influences, wine was still used for some, like, digestive purposes, and as a disinfectant, but its uh, use for everything started to wane. Um, and especially with, like, the temperance movement, it, you know, wine, there were medicinal wines that were sold during temperance or during uh, prohibition. So it was like a sneaky secret way to get wine. Like, oh, it's medicinal. But eventually people stopped buying it. Uh, th this was kind of revived, this idea that wine's really good for you in the 90s with what was called the French paradox. The idea that French people live a lot longer and they're a lot healthier. And do we think it's because they drink a bunch of wine? And that this was very popular. And there was a point where like doctors were recommending like, hey, you're doing everything right except start drinking. Um, specifically red wine was, was thought to be good. And when I, when I was first trained, I was told the same thing, like, but red wine's probably good for people. So if somebody's a teetotaler, you should advise them to start drinking. We've kind of gone away from that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that any amount of wine is bad for you, but I'm not necessarily saying that wine is good for you either. Um, in moderation for a lot of people, it can be safe. Uh, but the days of us recommending that, hey, you're healthy, except you should drink more wine are probably long gone. So. Oh, man. Well, yeah, that's a bummer. And you're drinking white anyway. so. Yeah, but I like to live on the edge. You know me, so. <laughs> Folks, that's going to do it for us uh, for this week. I want to say thank you to you for coming here. Thanks to Taxpayers for the use of our song. Medicines is the intro and outro of our program. Thank you to uh, our dear friend, Paul, uh, who is an exemplary human being, one of the few people I like. It's Paul Sivorn. <laughs> and uh, you can is. check his music out at paulandstorm.xxx. Uh, and uh, that is going to do it for us, uh, <laughs> So until next week. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, <laughs> don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. I listen to reading glasses because Bria and Mallory have great tips. You're a comics reader and you want to use a library connected app, you can try out Hoopla. I listen for the author interviews. I'm mad at myself that I waited as long as I did to start reading Joan Didion. They give me reading advice I didn't even know I needed. If you go in person to an event and go up to an author or a filmmaker or anybody and tell them what they you don't like about their work, you're a trash baby. I, look, I understand you didn't like Heroes Season 3. That's fine. I, like, <laughs> I don't actually need to know that information. I'm Bria Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're Reading Glasses, and we solve all your bookish problems every Thursday on Maximum Fun. <laughs> <laughs>